By staying home, you can not only protect your health and that of those around you, but ensure that our healthcare professionals and our healthcare systems can focus on those who need their help. Hello and welcome to Corona Movie Club, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Um, so we have a schedule of movies and we're all going to watch them independently in our own socially isolated homes and then three times a week we're going to get together over the internet and talk about them just like your mom's old book club used to do. Um, except now there's nothing old about it because it's all over the internet and we're all social isolating so that we don't help spread the coronavirus around the universe. Um, so we have people from all over North America who are participating and there's going to be different people on each call from the uh, core group. And so every episode, I'm going to come in and introduce the film that we're going to be watching, as well as the names of the people that are going to be on that week's call or that episode's call, because we're going to be doing this three times a week. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy. Let's go to the movies. It's something to do. Boys in the Band, which is an adaptation from 2020 Netflix release, you know, same as always. Um, but it, this one's an adaptation of the stage play from 1968 by Mark Crowley. And um, what's interesting about this one is that, uh, like the History Boys before, which is, I think, the closest approximation I can think of, this is a pretty, or the normal heart, sort of. Um, this is a pretty straight adaptation of uh, basically just translating a stage play straight to the screen, very little adaptation, shot almost completely like the play. Um, I don't think it's cut really at all. There's no real additions. There's very few sort of cinematic flourishes to um, really establish it in its new medium. And the cast was the cast of the recent revival on Broadway. Um, so they basically took an exact production and transplanted it into a new medium rather than adapting it. Um, which is, uh, I guess Fences was a little bit similar, was a little bit more cinematic, but it feels like that. It really feels like a play. Um, so this movie's a little bit different really, than, than just talking about your standard movie, which is something we grapple with on the call, um, because it really is more like reviewing theater than reviewing film. Um, the cast is sort of an all-star, one of those weird casts where it's like a lot of TV actors who are now on Broadway, but they're not really theater guys. Some of them are originally, um, but for the most part, they're, they're state screen actors, doing a stage production, and in this case, screen actors doing a stage production on screen, which is um, sort of a multi-layer strangeness. Um, it is directed by Joe Mantello, who's a, a legendary theater figure from both on stage, uh, he was in the original production of Angels in America, playing my favorite character, Lewis, who's um, also in The Normal Heart. He's been in a lot of, a lot of really uh, important productions. And then he also is a legendary director. Um, he directed Wicked, for example. If you know anything about me, you know that's important to me. Um, and I believe he directed the Broadway version of this production, though don't quote me on that. Um, yeah, I think uh, 
I, I, there's not a lot more to say about this. It's, it's, you have to really go into it with a theatrical mindset because it's going to feel like a play. It's these long drawn out scenes, a lot of big monologues, that sort of thing. Um, but it's a, it's an interesting piece. It's produced by Ryan Murphy. And I think that producing is the, um, lane in which I think Ryan Murphy is most effective. I think he's an extraordinary, he's got an amazing eye for talent and he has a really almost super, superhuman ability to understand what story to tell at what moment in history. Um, as a writer director, not so much, but as a producer, I think he really is, is, is out there contributing something. And so, uh, the boys in the band is certainly an interesting moment. Um, and I watched it back to back with the prom, which is another Ryan Murphy produced piece, but mostly just made it, turned it into an Andrew Rannells tribute week. Uh, cause boy, is he a sparkly fellow. He's so good. And by sparkly, I mean like special. He's got like a, a real X factor. He's just, he's great. I love him. Um, so this movie stars, uh, Jim Parsons, Zachary Quinto, Matt Bomber, Andrew Rannells, Charlie Carver, Robin DeJesus, who you may remember from the movie Camp. Um, you probably don't. You should go watch Camp. It's crazy. Uh, Brian Hutchinson, Michael Benjamin Washington, and Tuck Watkins. So, um, yeah, that's all really there is to say about that. So, enjoy the boys in the band and our discussion of it. So, I... Okay, if you had asked me 20 minutes into this movie, I would have said I was having the time of my life. Um, because it is very clearly... They've just basically copied and pasted the play onto film the way they did with the History Boys movie, where it's like word for word, they didn't edit the script at all. They used the cast, in this case, from the revival. In the History Boys case, it was the original. Um, it was like pretty copy and paste of the play. Uh, I even think I could picture that set, and I feel like that was probably the set for the play. Um, and sorry, you can hear my dog. Um, <laughs> But I was really enjoying myself because I really miss theater and it has all the beats of a play and the rhythms of a play. Um, and I like that cast. I'll watch Matt Bomber in anything. Bomer, Bomber, not sure. Uh, but then it just Bomber? got um, <laughs> really, really depressing. And mm -hmm. I hated um, Zach, um, Zachary Quinto. And I couldn't tell if it was just like I thought he was doing a bad job or if just that character is so dramatic and insufferable. Um, but I hated him and I'm not used to hating Zachary Quinto. I think <laughs> he's quite good usually. So yeah, those are my main feelings. Go ahead, Vargo. Um, I uh, have similar feelings, except I think Zachary Quinto is doing a good job doing that character, um, which is not really a likable character, but I think it's, this is all about Jim Parsons, and I don't think he's doing a great job. And it's and and not necessarily it's just him. Like it's it's direction probably as well. It might be them kind of living in this play for a long time. Um, but uh, I felt mainly there was a lot of like the energy the. Uh, being dropped a lot uh, like you, like it felt like a play and you've seen a play where there nothing's linking up the ball's being dropped the energy's just dropped there's like this awkward silence and like there's supposed to be that in this play but it's in a way that just felt like like they should have done another take <laughs> or something like they chose the wrong takes 
they needed like a David Fincher. We need, we need like another 10 takes and all of these scenes, whatever. Well, okay, so I have two, I have two thoughts. My first one is about Jim Parsons, um, which my take on watching this movie was that Jim Parsons is one of those actors who cannot for the life of him uh, convince me he's anyone other than Jim Parsons. <laughs> Every single character yeah. sounds exactly the same. Like it, it is, he's just Jim Parsons. However, that does not necessarily make him a bad actor because I think he's relatively good at making me feel whatever he wants me to feel. So there were a couple moments that I thought were like a little too obvious. And I wondered whether that was one of the dangers of basically doing exactly a play, not just a play in general, but like a run you've actually done recently, like an, an actual production and then just translate it over to film. Um, whether some of the moments that I felt were too big were too big because they were trying to play to the back of the house and that's actively the wrong instinct on film. Yeah. Um, although all of them had extensive um, camera experience, most of them have more camera experience than theater experience. So I'm not sure really um, but there, there were moments when they were too big, but in general, I thought though I had to sort of get past the Sheldon of it all, <laughs> once I was past it, I was like, I found him compelling at least in certain parts, but, um, yeah, I, I, I always struggle because I, I think Andrew Rannells is very compelling and I really like Matt Bomber and then like, they're yeah. always supporting characters, um, in these Ryan Murphy products that like, he casts them a lot, but he like doesn't use them right or something. Like <laughs> I don't know. Matt Palmer is always felt, the total side guy in these, yeah. and I find that weird. Yeah. So like, yeah, Matt's very side on this, and he's fine in this. There's not really much he could show off in in this movie. But my favorite part was the very beginning. Oh yeah, he's yeah, he's great. So like this, the scene with like the long scene with him and Jim Parsons talking, and then the introductions of all the other characters. And when like Andrew Rannells enters, like all that stuff was when I was having a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And and when it got when it started to get really heavy, I was like, oh, I don't know that I care enough about these people to put up with this amount of heaviness from them. Yeah, and and so sudden too. I just feel like Jim Parsons' character, I guess, gets drunk too fast, and so he's already angry too fast. And yeah, it doesn't start early enough almost. Like it's like yeah. that sort of ramp up of it's funny mean and then it's yeah. not funny anymore. Like I don't yeah. think it was subtle enough. Um yeah, I also I have I have problem with like a lot of like parlor dramas. Mm -hmm. Um because I often find that they are there's something going on in them that feels forced and like a terrible yeah. idea that they participate in even though it's a terrible idea and they should all know that so this stupid game that becomes the structure of like two-thirds of the play um that I didn't understand I kind of liked more the idea that this is a party and it's a party of one of those groups of friends that like kind of always make each other miserable because hell is other people and it's like they they're too interconnected but they see each other anyway because they're the group and it's a birthday and you have to. And that I think is enough to pull the story along, but then they have this sort of fabricated weird device of the game of the telephoning yeah. people game. And I found that um, a little contrite and a little bit just like, but why would they do this? And yeah. also why didn't the guy, 
the other thing that like caused drama that shouldn't have caused drama is why wouldn't Alan leave? Yeah. He just yeah. kept staying that's, and staying that's, and staying. See, that's, that's part of the like the script problem where, you know, if the characters can leave and should be leaving, um, why are they not leaving? Yeah. Um, and, and like, so that's the problem of the play, uh, the bigger problem of the play. Um, but but it only but bothered me with Alan because I understand yeah, the instinct of like that pressure. This came up when we talked about, what was that movie called? The Invitation, the movie oh, that's right, like a yeah, horror yeah. movie about like yeah. friends who go to a yeah. party. Yeah. Um, I, I think I know what I was going to respond with that. But just like if one of the other friends was hosting like Emery, Right. then this would work better i feel like 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 they wouldn't want to leave like or the audience wouldn't feel like why aren't you leaving but because it's jim parsons character um hosting this version they're sort of just tolerating his hosting and so right. that's that's what's sort of going on so that's yeah so yeah they're all staying there but it's just because they would be staying there if it was someone else hosting it just happens to be the wrong person hosting. Well, I think that there's, that makes sense to me that why everyone except Alan stays makes sense because it is that sort of social contract. We are a group, we are friends, quote unquote. And that idea of like, I feel like people feel that way, especially with old friends, like college friends, this is a real yeah. thing where you go and you, no one's enjoying themselves and no one likes each other anymore, but there's this idea that's been so ingrained for so long that you are friends, that you are expected to spend birthdays together and you're expected to enjoy each other because even if you're not happy in their presence right now, you do fundamentally love each other. Yeah. It's when you tell yourselves, but if you're unhappy in each other's company most of the time, you don't love them anymore, move on. <laughs> but I think we just kind of get ingrained because we've romanticized these sort of old friendships and so I understand especially if Harold were a more likable character I fully did not understand <laughs> the character but if you know if it had been Emery's birthday it had been somebody who was like the heart of the thing and they all had a, yeah, a yeah. duty to be there it was Alan that didn't make sense to me I was like just leave <laughs> get out you are not welcome yeah. here um, that, that's what I'm missing too. Like I thought Emery would be that person that the heart of the group or just the thing that's really tying them all together. And it would make sense that the birthday boy would be that as well. Um, but it just seemed like there was a lack of chemistry happening. There was like the like certain characters I think had some chemistry, but um, there was just like this chemistry that wasn't there. And that's like a director's thing, you know, like. Which is also surprising, I think, from a cast that is coming off of a long theatrical run in these <laughs> roles together, right? Like, yeah, yeah. even if they don't have a lot of natural chemistry, you would think just the camaraderie of being a cast for so long would have helped with that. So it is kind of interesting Speaking of chemistry, I it took me like half the movie to figure out that um, Andrew Rand, like until they started calling them quote unquote roommates. It was it took me forever to figure out that An Andrew Rannells and that other guy were a couple. I did I never thought they were roommates, but like I didn't know. I thought they were just members of the group because they had they like never spoke to each other and seemed had no 
physical relationship because like even though they were supposed to be fighting couples still have like a physical language right yeah they didn't get that at all i i knew they were a couple right from when he left the cafe or bar and he's like i, I gotta go because like there's my jealous boyfriend or like my annoying jealous boyfriend i like i got that right away and i just don't know if that's just something that like like i understand your point as well that there was no physical there was like no looks as well there was no yeah but it, but it, i think it was just because they're already in this they're already in this place of hating each other or like they're they're having a conflict um so yeah that could be a script and directing thing that like they needed to show something there where they were that they are a couple in that are that's having a fight like um but I, I kind of got that right away. And even when Emery came in the car, he's like, I don't want to be between you guys. It's so subtle and quick that you like you can miss it. Um, I just, I feel like I got it right away. So I was already on that thread to begin with. Yeah, I think I wasn't paying enough attention during the sort of like montage bits at the beginning Right, yeah. And um, once I tuned in to what felt like the, the script part, <laughs> I uh, just, I had missed an important piece of information and then it didn't come up again right. for yeah. a weirdly long time. And so I just assumed they were like fellow members of the group. <laughs> well. And even the relationship is uh, like, it's a contrived thing because of, she's uh, what's his name, Andy? Larry? Uh, no, the 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 straight guy, whatever. Alan. Alan. So I I think their purpose in the play is to bridge the idea of who Alan is, because um, Larry's boyfriend is like very straight acting, right? And coming out of a a straight relationship, um, so like he's sort of the the bridge that. Alan could possibly see to then move on. Um, at least that's what like the audience would. Yeah, I agree, which is tricky yeah. because like Larry is at least as played by Andrew Rannells, one of the like more interesting characters. Yeah. Like I liked him the most. He was, he's a lot of the funniest lines. And so for him to be kind of ultimately not super important, like he's there to serve other people's stories that I find a little frustrating um, just because you, I don't know, your most interesting people should be your most central people. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, but to go back to a, a point um, about the way it was filmed um, that you had brought up way earlier and then I decided to comment on <laughs> instead funny. of following this thread, but like you were talking about the, the idea of takes and I have a bad habit when watching films of especially like films based on plays where I don't pay enough attention to the filmmaking because I'm watching the story and that kind of thing. Did you notice whether there were a lot of long takes or was it filmed sort of like standard style? Um, I it, it feels like a play to me. Well, like, so the, the reason I'm asking yeah. is like a long, if I was filming a play or something that was adapted from a play um, and where I kept most of the text, um, I would have 
film it in long takes because the whole right, thing I know what you mean yeah. right like how like everyone went on and on when marriage story came out because they were like Scarlett Johansson memorized that whole four minute monologue <laughs> and then all the theater people were like are you kidding me that's not impressive <laughs> and so if you were doing something like this which is like basically just a play filmed yeah. um which uh you know there's this there's history boys fences was a lot like this I would do it in these long takes to show off the fact that yeah. they're yeah. doing it all in quote unquote. August Osage County, I think did a, I think they did a great job with the film adaptation. Um, it's a long, long movie, but play. Um, but I think they, like, I don't know the play that well, but I think it worked great as a movie because there's a lot of drive outs and, uh, and a lot of going out into the backyard and then nights and mornings and stuff. There's a lot of changes happening. Um, whereas this, it's it's a it all happens in one night, um, and in film, that's really difficult to keep your attention. I feel, um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't know if this is suited well to film. Um, I don't know that it is. I think it was just like they had this cast on stage yeah. that were all kind of well known film and tv actors and then yeah. ryan murphy was their producer so it was sort of like well why not make it a movie yeah, yeah. and also like like they're all openly gay i believe um all of the ones i am familiar with are i think alan is not and he's the one that's not playing and he's the one who is straight in the in the play um but um that's also i guess part of the I don't want to say gimmicks the wrong word but like the uh the whole thing about doing the play and, and having it and doing the movie and having all gay actors play gay gay characters I think is not the novelty is what I was well gonna, I meant. So that's an interesting I'm interested yeah. in your opinion on this because I was thinking about this through the movie because specifically Matt Bomber and I apologize if it is Bomer and I'm pronouncing it wrong. I've never heard anyone <laughs> I don't know. already I don't know. actually pronounce his name. So it's one of the two. But Matt, um, I heard like him and Zachary Quinto in particular are the ones that it kind of almost bothers the wrong word, but like they were doing other roles um, and and they, they're playing straight roles and romancing women in their movies and TV shows very effectively um, because they're good actors mm -hmm. and you're not in love with your love interest 99.9% .9 of the time when you're filming, regardless of what the sexuality yeah. of your character is. Um, and then they came out publicly. And since that, to the best of my knowledge, neither of them has played a straight role again and my question <laughs> is there's certainly a world in and, and a lot and actually both those two people have almost exclusively worked for ryan murphy since coming out and so there are there's certainly a world in which like that's them specifically wanting to play gay roles and relishing being out and the opportunity to get to play gay roles and there are wonderful roles like the ones in this film and there are important producers like Ryan Murphy, who I think is a terrible writer, but when he's a producer, I think he does great work. Um, and who are put like creating opportunities for gay actors to play, get to play gay roles. On the other hand, I think Hollywood has a very bad habit 
of once somebody comes out, they never cast them as a straight role again, Mm -hmm. because there's this idea that they somehow can't, even though there is literal proof of at least specifically those two actors that they absolutely can. So I don't know. I, I have, without knowing their stance on it, which of course is the actual answer is just how do they feel about it? Um, but I'm interested in your opinion on this because I know Rupert Everett has famously said that once he came out, he only played gay best friends and Oscar Wilde characters. And that was all he was ever offered ever again. I I really think um, because if, if, if there are gay actors out there and there's gay roles, try and get them first. I mean, but um, also if they're available for straight roles and they're good actors for the role, hire them. Well, but they don't see, my point is they don't, it, we are very slowly finally waking up to the idea that if there is a gay role, you should offer it to a gay actor. Um, whereas like for years, those were always played by straight men for whatever reason. Um, and that's starting to change. But I also think that it's not going the other way. Like I feel like what a, an out gay actor and bizarrely, it's only in the, mo- in the last 10 years that there have been a lot of them um, who are like sort of leading men who then come out in Hollywood. Um, I feel like you never see them get the opportunity to play straight roles really after they come out. Yeah, I, it's hard to I, me. It's hard for me to believe that just based on the number of gay roles that are available, it's hard for me to believe that they are actively turning down the straight roles. I think they're not being offered them. I, I think there's two things happening. So there's the there's there's casting for straight roles, which are like actually straight characters. Like there's a relationship involved, like a straight relationship. And then there's like these masculine macho roles that are also out there that are like sci-fi or action movies. Right. And they they would mostly cast straight a- actors to play them. And I think those are the roles that we have to start mixing the pot, <laughs> if you will, having some more diversity in there. Um, and hopefully they are going for those roles as well and wanting those roles. I don't know if they would want to play a specifically straight relationship character, um, but I think that's still, I mean, if they want to, if they've always wanted to play Hamlet uh, or you know something like that. like Well, I mean, and Shakespeare is such a, a funny example too, because like the greatest, Shakespeare actor of all time or at least living Shakespeare actor is gay um Ian McKellen so I remember when that Newsweek article came out that argued that Sean Hayes was quote-unquote too gay to be playing opposite I think he was opposite Kristen Chenoweth on Broadway and I don't remember the the show he was in Kristen Um, Chenoweth is more gay (laughs) well then it had this (laughs) had this huge backlash right and and then Aaron Sorkin actually wrote a like a follow-up piece in the Huffington Post about trying to clarify what he thought the author meant and I remember him specifically saying he's not saying that Ian McKellen shouldn't play King Lear um and that what was interesting about the Newsweek story was that like it got certain things wrong like Jonathan Groff for example can play he, he was cited in the in the story because he was very bad in Glee um 
but he is a very good actor who can play straight roles and did yeah. in Mindhunter and is fine after coming out publicly. But Sean Hayes is a terrible actor who can't convince me of anything. So of course he, you didn't believe that he was straight in that role because you can't, he's a terrible actor who can't convince you of anything. It doesn't matter what he's playing is this one happened to be that he was in love with Kristen Chenoweth. Of course he didn't believe him, but like you wouldn't have believed him if he was pretending to be in love with a man who's not the man he's in love with. So because he's a terrible actor. No, I, I just, it just comes down to the casting. If they could, if they can play this role and make it believable and like something like uh, uh, Neil Patrick Harris and Gone Girl, I wasn't believing him in that role. Um, oh, so that's very interesting. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember Gone Girl super well. I remember him being yeah. really scary, but he's metro. He's like metrosexual, right? And that sort of makes it work. But I still, it's, it didn't read. It, I didn't catch it, and I don't know if that's just him and his how he is. Well, so Neil Patrick Harris, Matt Balmer, and Zachary Quinto are the three that I tend to think of similarly because yeah. what all of them did with the timing of their coming out was they came out in the middle of a contract where they were in in the middle of a role where they were playing a straight character who has romances and things. Um, almost as if to prove like, like you can't, right. like I'm going to come out, but you can't immediately take away from me the opportunity to play straight roles because I'm already under contract for another two Star Treks or another few seasons of White Collar or another many seasons of How I Met Your Mother, where all three of them were extremely effective in the romancing of, you know, Zoe Saldana and Kobe Smulders and whoever's in, and Tiffany Amber Thiessen or whatever, whoever's in White Collar. So... It, it was like a, I remember them talking about it. it was a very strategic specific because they all came out around the same time too. Um, it was a strategic choice of, I already have these roles. Like, like yeah. Neil Harris came out in the middle of playing Barney where he, where he had this really compelling multi-season straight romance that he played. And I remember thinking it was incredibly well, like it was really well done. Like I absolutely believed that relationship I don't remember Gone Girl very well, but and that's <laughs> the only example because he never did it again. So it's sort of like a weird, once those contracts were up to the best of my memory, they've only really worked for Ryan Murphy. So it's just, it's just a thing I wonder about Hollywood all the time, because I do think we still I, I have think, I think some big leading men who are gay, who won't come out because they're right. afraid that they're not going to get parts anymore. Right. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's definitely a, a reality for them and they're and I would say that is a strategy and obviously they want to still be open to all these all the roles that exist because um, like Matt Bomber specifically yeah. his whole deal is that he's a dreamboat like he's yeah. like he's yeah. Mr. Charming classically le classic leading man looking guy yeah so it is such a funny I don't know it's it's a strange thing to sort of take him off the list of like <laughs> people yeah. that women can objectify <laughs> like, it's strange I don't know he's Matt Bomber he like looks like Henry Cavill if, with like a little bit less protein powder like I don't know and probably a better actor oh he's a much better actor he yeah. went to Carnegie Mellon he's actually very good and he should have won the I, Emmy for the fact that he didn't is annoying <laughs> 
Um, but anyway, that I don't know. I just wanted to bring that up because I thought it was interesting. But I am glad that there are roles like this um, that or like part shows like not shows. I don't know, like productions like this that yeah. have not only roles for multiple for gay men, but specifically multiple gay men and different yeah. gay men. So that it's not just like you're playing like Rupert ever, right? You're the gay best friend in this. It's yeah. like, here is a whole community, not a very diverse one, but a whole community of people who are all different people. And, um, and, I, and it's also like, it's, it's a historical play from the 60s um, that broke a lot of, you know, rules or barriers or whatever. And I don't, I don't know who exactly was cast back then, if they were all gay actors at the time. Um, and uh, I don't wanna say like the stereotype, like the actors are probably gay, um, but. Um, so, I mean, not, that's a musical theater thing, but in yeah. straight theater, haha, straight theater, but like in <laughs> contemporary yeah. theater, classical theater, that's just like not a real stereotype. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I don't know if that was, an actual thing like they had gay actors playing those roles um at the time but i think it was a very important play at the time i don't know if it, a lot of it has aged that well um to now um but i know it's it's like it's a 50 50th anniversary so it's sort of just like a like this play existed it was it broke broke a lot of things here it is it's more of a historical like hello everyone welcome to this play yeah, I think importance you, of it, but I think it's it's aged okay in that it's specifically f set in 1968. Yeah, yeah, like it's not one of those plays that you're supposed to do in whatever year you're currently in, and yeah. then it would feel like it hadn't aged well. But because it's become a history play, even though it was originally a contemporary play, yeah. um, that I think I actually think it has aged fairly well for it's time period. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not time, like it's not a timeless story or drama or, yeah, like that's not, like that's not what it is. But it's, but it's, it's a, the rare contemporary that has become a, a history play that yeah. has remained relatively unproblematic to yeah. mount in modern day, um, which is, yeah. Yeah, I kept, I kept like writing down or noting like, the play is pretty good. It's a good script. It's a good story. A lot of good things are happening. This is like what a lot of playwrights were doing with uh, like the those dinner plays, whatever whatever they're called. Yeah. Uh, just like having having a bunch of characters that know each other, and there's drama in between, and people are poking, jab, jabbing, and just a bunch of different things like that. Um, but it's like, but now it's all gay people, and we're just showing you that. You know they have the same relationships they have the same jabs they hate each other they love each other um that's sort of i guess what the idea of this play was and what it meant at the time yeah um, i really yeah i agree i really like the script especially early on i was like really feeling the dialogue um and i feel like they did a fairly good job of in the through the actual words of the play establishing if not the relationships, like I don't think we ever learned how anybody knew each other. Yeah. Um, but because I think that's something fundamental to group dynamics is who knows who through whom. 
Yeah. Like, you know, like it's the, you know, we're friends with Jim Parsons, but I only know Andrew Rannells through Jim Parsons. And so it's a little more distant yeah. there, like all that kind it of It was thing. like a fire, a fire thing, like when they were doing their dance, like that seems to be where they all met. Oh, well, they together. They, it wasn't all clear. Been to Fire Island together. I they did a dance, but it was, I think that was probably just a trip they took to Fire Island. But, but yeah, it um, wasn't clear. Yeah, it was, yeah, there's like, there's, they did a good job though, even though we never understood exactly what the relationships were, they did a fairly decent job of establishing what the connections are and like how these people feel about each other. Um, So that like you, you felt a strong, especially in that early scene, like I really liked Matt Balmer and Jim Parsons is sort of back and forth and they were talking about like hairspray and whatever. And they had a real sense of like oh these are two people who like genuinely know each other really well and they, there's like a a nice fondness there that came through in the script the only time I sort of stopped liking the script was when it got a little contrived with yeah. keeping Alan in the room and then why are we playing this dumb game like especially yeah. if you guys know Michael really well you know better than to do his dumb games because you know this is going to go badly yeah but I, I wonder if it like it was sort of in the script too, like, you know, you want to, like, you want to kind of play this game. You kind of want to do this. You want a, a reason to do this. And we're drunk and you're amongst friends. So, um, I mean, like, I, I could see a version of this play if it was directed differently, it really working better. Um, uh, like that whole idea that it wouldn't be as contrived as it felt. Um, but even though there's there's still some things like just the the fake drama between Jim and Zachary, like it just felt like he kept jabbing at him and it just wasn't working, but also nobody cared. Like there was no audience. And I mean like their friends as the audience, like like why are you like keep like why do you keep jabbing Zachary? Like what do you that trying? never it felt like there was almost like cut material there like they clear I was assuming that they used to be lovers and somebody yeah, something somebody there. but no one ever mentioned yeah like there was yeah. never clarified and it was never it never really came to a head like at Zach Zachary Quinto at one point just goes okay I'm leaving and then he just left yeah. it was like okay well if that was a thing people could do you would think they would have done it earlier but also you did it, you, he did that without any, like, without resolving the conflict. So he, he made no sense to me. I almost would have rather Harold be like a Gatto figure where like they're got at this person's mm, birthday party. Right, he never right. shows up because I yeah. don't actually think he, that character, one, I think he's too campy and silly. Like he's just, <laughs> can't be a strong word. Cause the, um, I don't remember the other guy's name, but he, Robin DeJesus's character is campy, but like, He's just like Emory. so cartoony and over the top. And like, I just didn't buy him as a person. I felt like everybody else's performances, their feet were really on the ground, regardless of what kind of character they were playing. They felt like real people. Whereas yeah. Zachary Quinto's character, I was just like, okay, you're like a cartoon. <laughs> That's uh, why I felt like he did a good job because I think his character is, yeah. Like I, I agree with you that kind of character voice. His character is very like it's it's it doesn't make sense um he was doing such a silly voice and oh I don't yeah, know I didn't, but I didn't think one I didn't like him I didn't think it was a good performance I didn't think it was well-written character like I think he's the weakest element of the play 
then I also don't think he served a purpose. Like there were no lines that he had based on what we knew. If, if they did establish that he had a former romance with Michael, maybe, but like based on the information we had, there was nothing he said that they couldn't have had Larry say. And so I, why are you here? You're not contributing anything as much as I do like Zachary Quinto. And also just like, like the, uh, Jim Parsons' character is it Michael. Sorry, I just I just know them by their actor names mostly. Um, That's the problem with having a big ensemble yeah. of really really famous people is you just learn <laughs> to remember them by their famousness. Yeah, yeah, and uh, um, just call him Sheldon. Um, <laughs> I but, did uh, have a moment where I was like, "Wait, was Harold Her- the name of the guy?" Big <laughs> Bang Theory, but that's Howard um right uh but like just i just remember the 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 main part on the uh on the deck before it rains where jim just keeps jabbing at zachary quinto and zachary's just like he's just giving it back and just taking it like he's just reacting basically um like all of that i was like why is this happening and there's like you you're probably right that there's got to be some line or some moment that's cut there where they reveal that they used to like each other or they hate each other because they like each other, that sort of thing. Um, and it just never, it just never happened. Like it never, that moment never happened that like they, they actually like each other a lot. Um, and like, they're not like, they're actually frenemies and not enemies. <laughs> Because that's all it just felt like, that it was just awkward. They hated each other and it was just a game for them to make fun of each other. But it, in a nasty way, like it wasn't fun. Yeah, it didn't have that sort of like mean banter the way that Larry did. Yeah. Like when Larry poked fun at Michael, it had a like nicer feeling. Yeah. Um, and you just got the sense that like that's just how Larry talks. but yeah it, it I think that was purposeful I think I think that they made the conscious decision to have like an unknown backstory where you get the sense that something happened between them but we're never going to really find out what I think that was on purpose but I don't think that was a great on purpose choice yeah um just even like a little bit more obvious of a choice of like, I, I went, I was running with the impression that they were former lovers, Yeah. but it's open to interpretation, I guess. I feel like it never, to me, they never got to get together, but maybe there was something there and it just like, it didn't work out. Right. And like, uh, Harold's whole, like, he's never been in a real relationship is like, it could have been me, but yeah, it for yeah. some reason wasn't. And I resent you for that. Yeah. Yeah, there's like some sort of rejection that happened or just bad timing or he went with the wrong person that he like, there's something there. Yeah. That just could have made it, like if, if the moment was there, it would have made that relationship make more sense. I agree. Yeah. Okay, do you have any final thoughts you want to add about the boys in the band? Um, no. (laughs) Okay, I liked it. 
I didn't like very many movies we watched this year for movie club. So I'm going to say, even though I had some issues with it, I definitively liked it, but yeah. it also, I think I liked it because I missed the theater and it's theater that just happens yeah. to be it not feels, theater. Yeah. It definitely feels like theater. I, th I think it's a, it's not a bad play despite what this movie was. <laughs> yeah. And I think it was a fine movie to be honest. I don't, I don't mind um, a really simply filmed uh, play adaptation just almost to like yeah. get the play off the stage so that I can put it yeah. on my shelf and keep it and watch it whenever yeah. um, I don't think that should be the be all and end all of the of like the final iteration of that piece yeah but I like having it as an option to watch yeah. Yeah. Um, I think one of the best play to movies was Doubt which I've never seen oh I, I was so disappointed in that year because it wasn't nominated for best picture and I thought it was the best picture. And mm. I think that was a Slumdog Millionaire year. Oh, terrible. And there was a lot of good movies in the category, but I thought Doubt was the best one. And mm. I think like, I think uh, Hoffman won for that or something. Um, and Vi Viola Davis won, I think for that. Um, it's, it's a really good movie and play. And, and like the writer also wrote the, the the screenplay too so that that helps that does help yeah, yeah. okay yeah. well i think that's it for the boys in the band and i will see you next week yeah do we is it our last episode it's our last one, last one yeah okay see you All then right. bye, bye.